Almighty God, we come before you in your church, in your building, to give you worship and praise. We are, re- we are reminded that you are the focus of our lives. Allow the words of the scriptures to enter our hearts and our souls and our minds to enrich us, to give us strength for the journey. Thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for us. Reveal your presence to us, not only in this building, but in our everyday lives, while we're out in the communities, while we're with families and friends. And Lord, thank you for all the mothers in the world that have gone through the pain of childbearing and yet experience the joy thereafter of the birth of the children, of their child. It is such a wonderful gift you have given us, Lord. And we just take it all to heart and we appreciate it and we love it. And thank you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Lamentations. When I started reading this scripture, I'm thinking, well, exactly, I wonder what they're actually talking about here. So I had to do a little bit of research into it, which you can all see in in the blue type there. It's basically kind of given that Jeremiah is the one who wrote Lamentations. And um, this is actually... uh, As a result of Judah's continued and unrepentant idolatry, God allowed the Babylons to besiege, plunder, burn, and destroy the city of Jerusalem. Sodom's temple, which had stood for approximately 400 years, was burned to the ground. The prophet Jeremiah, an eyewitness to these events, wrote the book of Lamentations as a lament for what had occurred to Judah and Jerusalem. As I'm thinking about what was written there, it can happen to any country in the world, including the United States, if we don't keep our focus upon God. So let's see what it says here in Lamentations 3, according to Jeremiah chapter 3, beginning with the 18th verse. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I hope for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That is our first reading. Our second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2. It's about living godly loves in a pagan society. We read, and starting with the 11th verse, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. 
live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of the foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. That is our second reading. Our gospel reading this morning comes to us from the book of John, the 16th chapter. This is where the disciples, their grief will turn into joy when Jesus appears to them. We read, Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. Then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what it is he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. That is our gospel reading. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday and happy Mother's Day. Near the end of the 19th century, a little church high on the cliffs at the entrance to the English Channel was destroyed by a hurricane. 
A few weeks later, a British admiral came to ask the pastor if they intended to rebuild the church. The clergyman explained that they were a poor congregation and they couldn't afford to rebuild. Well, said the admiral, if you can't rebuild it, our seamen will do it for you. That spire is on all of our charts and maps as the landmark by which our ships steer their course through this channel. Interesting. A landmark for people to see. He says, we need that landmark to navigate through this channel. So if you can't rebuild it, we will do it for you because it is an important landmark. It is something for us to look at as it is with Jesus Christ. It is for us to look to him for guidance through our lives. We're reminded of this landmark of Jesus Christ when he's up on the cross. We're reminded of the landmark of the empty tomb. We're reminded that Jesus should be number one in our lives. On the way over here this morning, I was listening to the newscast and it got to be a little bit troubling listening to some of the statistics that are going on in our country. And I worry about where our country is going. I worry about the dynamics of our country. You know, the question is raised, why is there seen to be so much more division in our country now than there was back in the olden days? They are fearful that our country is being split up into two. You have the extremists on one side and the extremists on the other side, and those in the middle are far and few between. They are actually saying now that the United States of America is the 12th least religious country in the world. Think about that. Where are we going? What is happening to our country? We are a country of what they say is red and blue. The red, the red country is more like Nigeria and, Scandin and Saudi Arabia, and the blue is more like our European Protestant counterparts. That's what they're fearful of, what's happening in our country. And as I read earlier in our scripture lessons and limitations there, the same thing can happen to us unless we come to a revival, come to realize that God is one for all people. He needs to be our spire. He needs to be the one that we are focused upon. Jesus should be number one. And yet, it seems as though we're trying to take government or take religion out of government. Trying to split it up. Trying to do whatever it is. You have your extremists and it's, it's, it's a sad deal. Again, we need to rely upon Jesus Christ. There's this young man named Harold. He had a bad case of attention deficit disorder. In other words, he kept forgetting things. On Palm Sunday, Harold's Sunday school teacher sent empty plastic eggs home with each of her students. Mrs. Wilson told them to bring something back in their eggs the next Sunday to represent something about Easter. 
She really didn't expect Harold to bring anything back because, you know, he's hard at listening and, and just very forgetful. Well, the next Sunday, the children brought their eggs back. Everybody, actually. Harold did, too. Susan had a pretty little spring flower inside her egg. Joey had a little cross in his egg. Jackie had put a plastic butterfly in her egg. But just as Mrs. Wilson was suspecting, there was nothing in Harold's egg. She was surprised that he even remembered to bring it back. She had given praise to all the other students who had brought something in their egg back. But she didn't say anything about Harold's empty egg. Harold looked at her with anticipation and said, Mrs. Wilson, you didn't say anything about my egg. Mrs. Wilson said, but Harold, you didn't have any reminder of Easter in your egg. Harold replied, uh-huh. It's empty, just like Jesus' tomb. Isn't it amazing how God can work through every individual? No matter what. Jesus is, is so awesome. As, as I was saying earlier, you know, he quieted the winds last night, even though the radar showed horrific winds coming. They never did. We praise the Lord for that. Jesus was telling the disciples this morning, he says, in a little while, I'll be gone. And in a little while, I'll be back. Of course, we have the advantage of knowing hindsight. We know what's going to happen. But they, on the other hand, it's just they didn't have a clue. They were perplexed. What do you mean in a little while? You're going to be here in a little while. You'll be gone. And it's, it's troubling for us. We don't understand. And Jesus could tell in their minds that they didn't understand about the joy, about the period of grief. So he explains it like what a mother goes through when having a child. There is a period of pain and, and grief when you're having your child. And I remember my wife going through that pain as I'm holding her hand as the child is being born, the pain that she's going through. And then all of a sudden, the pain turns to joy. All of a sudden, you're holding this little bundle of joy in your arms. And that's what Jesus is saying. For a while, right now, you're going to go through a period of grief. But there will come a time in a little while when your grief will be turned into joy. And no one will be able to take that away from you. It's a period of suffering. It's a period of pain that you have to go through. It's a period of sacrifice. When Oliver Cromwell ruled in England, a young soldier had been tried in a military court and sentenced to death. He was to stand before the firing squad at the ringing of the curfew bell. When England was under military rule, the cathedral bell tolled at 8 p.m., meaning that everyone was to be in their homes. 
However, that night at curfew time, nothing but muted sounds had come from the bell tower. Unknown to anyone, the soldier's fiancée had climbed the bell tower and lashed herself to the huge bell clapper. As the ropes were pulled, her own body stopped the bell from ringing. When Cromwell's soldiers brought her to the general, she was bruised and bloody. He was so impressed by her willingness to suffer for her love that Cromwell freed the soldier and spoke the famous words, Curfew shall not ring tonight. Death will not overcome us anymore because Jesus laid down his life for us. And that is the joy that will be coming to us. That is the awesomeness that is coming. And remember, Jesus needs to be our spire. He needs to be the focus in our lives. And with that, we have joy that cannot be taken away from us. There are so many great aspects of Jesus if only we could latch on to it. I love this next story here because it probably affects about every one of us here today. It's about worrying. And I know that here nobody worries, so I'm sorry I even said that. But two Wall Street businessmen, executives, were at a local cafe. Gene asked about Ed's health, and Ed said, I feel great. My ulcers are gone. I don't have a carry in the world. That's wonderful, Gene responded. How did that happen? Well, you know, my doctor told me my ulcers were caused from worrying so much. So I hired myself a professional worrier. Whenever something comes up that I started to worry about, I turned it over to him. And he does all my worrying for me. Boy, Gene says, I'd like to hire someone to do that for me. How much does he charge? $100,000. Well, how in the world can you afford to pay that much? I can't, Ed responded. But that's not my problem. I'll let him worry about it. (laughs) It's a cute little story. But yet, it's so real in our lives. It reflects upon Jesus. Why do we worry? When we can put our problems upon Jesus. Our worries upon him. And you know what? You know what his fee is? Zero. We don't have to pay for it because he's paying the price for us. So let him worry for us. Put our worries, our problems upon him. Don't get upset. Don't get anxious about the things in this world because they'll be here and gone. Say, Jesus, I know you can take care of this for me. I don't need to worry about it. You are my savior. You are my love. You are my great awesome friend. And that's what God is for us. A little bit while, you know, we're going to probably go through a period of grief, maybe in our lives, but a little while that grief will be replaced with joy. And that's what he was trying to tell his disciples. It'll be grief now, but there'll be joy to come. He is the creator of the universe and keeper of it all. He always was, always is, and always will be unmoved, 
unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised, but he brought healing. He was pierced, yet he eased the pain. He was persecuted, but he brought freedom. He was dead, yet he brought life. He is risen, and he brings power. He reigns, and he brings peace. He comforts, and he brings joy. The world cannot understand him. The armies cannot defeat him. The schools cannot explain him. And the leaders cannot ignore him. The Pharisees couldn't confound him. Pilate could not kill him. The grave could not hold him. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives. When we are weak, he is strong. When we are lost, he is the way. When we are afraid, he is our courage. When I stumble, when we stumble, he is our strength. When we hurt, he heals. When we are broken, he mends us up. When we are hungry, he feeds us. When we face trials, he never leaves us. When we face problems, he comforts us. When we face loss, he provides for us. When we face death, he carries us. Our Heavenly Father can be the ruler of this world. So if you're wondering why we have joy in spite of sorrow, that's because we put Jesus first in the forefront of our lives. He said it. We believe it. It's settled. God is in control. We are on his side, and that means all is well with our soul. We have the perfect peace and joy because of Jesus Christ. Sheila a few Sundays ago talked about the many names of Jesus. There's a few more. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. He is the Amen, the Bridegroom, the Cornerstone, the Door, Emmanuel, Friend, Gilead's Balm, Healer, I Am, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, King of kings, Lion of Judah, the morning star, Nazarene, offspring of David, Prince of peace, quickening spirit, Redeemer, Savior, truth, unchangeable God, the vine, the word of God, Exceeding great reward, Yokefeller, Zion's king. All of creation one day will be before him, and every tongue will confess his majesty. The joy that God gives us is permanent, powerful, and plentiful. Do you have his joy? Is joy in your life? If not, reach out to him. 
Grab on to his vine and he will not let you go. God is so great and awesome. He answers prayers. He listens to us. And that's one thing you don't have to worry about. When you call upon God, he will not hang up on you and you will not lose the signal. Because God will always be there with an open ear, listening for us to put our burdens and our worries upon him. In a little while, we will grieve. But in a little while, oh, that joy, that everlasting joy, that great joy will fill our hearts. And no one, absolutely no one can take that joy away from us. Now or forever. Amen. May the grace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in the true Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.